Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you would go with me to two passages of Scripture. Today I will be in um, the book of Psalms, Psalm 37. And then today we will also be in Acts 13 and Acts 14. Uh, When you come to church, you should bring three things. You should bring a Bible, you should bring a highlighter, and you should bring something to take notes with. Okay? Why do I need that, Pastor? Did you know that even 10 years ago that we could retain by hearing something? It would take, or let me back up, my words are bum, fumbled up. It would take us, 10 years ago, it would take us four times to hear something before we retained it. Today, with the flood of technology and all that we deal with, uh, the assault is what I call it, of technology. And in the fast pace of TikTok and social media, and we're seeing images and words constantly. Today, we are so inundated and flooded with technology that now they say it takes us 11 times, 11 times hearing something before we actually retain it. Did you know what the remedy of that is? Writing it down. When you write it down, it has a 100% retention rate. 100%. So we want to take notes. And I would also add to that, with today's technology and all the things that we have at our disposal, there is no excuse not to study the Word of God. Okay? The Bible says that whom much is given, much is required. We've been given a lot at our fingertips. There is no reason we cannot study the Bible. Plus, we have all of these uh, wonderful gifts of the body of Christ, men and women of God, who put out tremendous material and things that help us grow in our faith. So there's no excuses and no reason why we shouldn't be growing in our biblical scholarship. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right. So today, two passages of Scripture. We'll start with Psalm 37 in just a moment. But today we'll be learning about the Apostle Paul. His name was changed, not necessarily by God. His name was changed from Saul to Paul by the early church believers because in the areas that he went on his missionary journey, Saul was not easy for them to say. And somehow through translation, it got changed to Paul. Name change is a game change for anybody that is doing something for the kingdom. Can I hear a big amen? Today I want to preach around this subject. I want to preach about today acceptance and opposition. Acceptance and opposition. To do so, I want to build my sermon around Psalm 37, verse 23. And I like the wording of the New Living Translation. It says this. We're going to put it up for you. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. So if I had a highlighter, these would to me be the key words in this verse. Directs, steps, godly, delights, and details. There's five key words 
in this passage of Scripture. Paul's steps were directed precisely with every detail. Every place the sole of Paul's foot tread upon, God blessed. And because of that, we are here today because of this man's obedience. So I have a couple of questions for you today as we get started. My first question is, who loves the big picture? Just tell me what to do and where to be. I don't need the details. I just need the big picture. Who is that in the room? One person. Who likes the big picture? Okay, about four or five people. Here's another question. Who loves the details? Oh my gosh. Are y'all kidding me? Wow. Okay. Let me tell you, that was educational for me. Like, I need to write that down. Like, this is good. Okay. What that, uh, or let me tell you this. What does God like? Well, here's what God likes. He likes both of those. He's the God of the big picture, and he's a God of the details. Amen? When we look at Paul's life, we have the luxury of time. We can zoom out and look at the impact that he made. Paul couldn't do that. He was living the details that is now the big picture that we enjoy and glean from even today. Paul had three missionary journeys, and if I would have had time and could have pulled this off in an effective way, um, mostly I didn't do this because of time, but I would have loved to have put up the maps and showed you the journeys that Paul went on. Paul had three missionary journeys, one to Rome, so four in total journeys that Paul went upon. Paul did most of his traveling on water uh, by the method of sailing. That was the means of transportation in that day. Can you imagine if the Apostle Paul would have had the technology that we have today? Can you imagine if Paul would have had a jet airplane? What Paul could have accomplished and the places that he could have went with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? So Paul traveled by water. We can reduce the size and scope of his journey, but it doesn't give us the scope of Paul's impact. His influence is not reflected on a map, but the impact and obedience of this man to keep stepping out on faith left an eternal footprint on the pages of time. How could he have known 2,000 years later a group of believers would be gathered in South Arkansas on a continent he didn't even know existed, talking about his life? He had no way of knowing that. The picture of Paul's journey was far too big for him to see. If you're taking notes, write this down. The more impact your life story holds, the less your journey will make sense to you. Let me say that again. The more impact your life story holds, the less your journey will make sense to you. For as much as we desire the big picture, if God is involved, it is so much bigger than we could ever comprehend. Thank you for that amen. The big picture is generational. It's the same blessing that was upon Abraham. It's a generational blessing. It's the blessing of elevation and it's the blessing of possession. God wants you to possess something, to drive a stake in the ground, an internal impact. It's dominion. And it's not about you and it's not about me. It is much larger and it's much bigger. One of the things that, that I um, try to articulate the most, and I don't know that I ever can, 
but I really try my best and I want to. It's a desire I have, and I don't know if I ever get it across clearly or effectively, but I want you to know something. One community church is way bigger than me, and it's way bigger than you. And when you make a choice to get up on a Sunday morning and you come here, and by the way, I love you so much. Every Sunday, you don't know it, but I watch you walking in those doors, and I'm amazed. I pull up and see all of these cars in this parking lot, and I think to myself, man, I am the most blessed pastor on the planet. I am so blessed. There's so many wonderful people in this church, and I am so thankful for each and every one of you. But I want to say to you, your choice to get up and come to church is way bigger than you realize. The impact, the eternal impact that it has when you come to church is amazing. And it's so much bigger than we could even imagine. When that offering plate comes by you and those ushers are receiving that gift, that one choice to give is so much bigger. It's so much larger. The impact that that makes throughout generations. I'm telling you, this thing is bigger. And so we look at Abraham, the blessing of Abraham, which is a blessing of elevation and possession. And we talk about Abraham. And in a few weeks, in fact, on November the 5th, I'll be out at Cornerstone that night, and I'm going to be preaching on the nation of Israel. And I'm going to be talking about the prophetic impact the nation of Israel has. I'm going to take you all the way back to Abraham. And we're going to talk about the prophetic insight there with the nation of Israel, especially as it relates to the, to the promise and the blessing of Abraham, which is a promise of elevation and possession. Everybody say elevation, elevation. and possession. So much bigger. Everybody say so much bigger. We have Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Thessalonians, on and on because Paul was in prison. If he hadn't have been in prison and was able to be there in person, we would not have the New Testament today as we know it. Yes, he went to those places in person to establish churches, but the letters or epistles were not written until Paul was in prison and he needed to communicate to the churches. Remember, Paul didn't have FaceTime. Paul didn't have Zoom calls. He couldn't do Zoom calls with the churches. So what did he do? He wrote it in the form of letters. This was his method of communication. This is why it is important to let God direct our steps. Was it inconvenient for Paul? Yes. But did he create a lasting impact? Absolutely, positively. You must understand the bigger picture, the greater the faith you're going to need to follow. Let me say that again. The bigger the picture, the greater the faith you're going to need to follow. Why? Because the map of your life may grow to impact thousands in a lifetime and generations for eternity but we will never outgrow a single step of obedience. This is a good nugget, and you should write it down. The big picture is always beholding the single step. The big picture is always withholding the single step to get there. When we zoom in to Paul's life, we see how involved the Holy Spirit was and Paul's obedience to follow the Holy Spirit with each and every step that he took. So this morning in Psalm 37 that we just read, it says God directs and delights. He directs and he delights. Everybody say directs and delights. The meaning of delight is to take joy in something. In Hebrew, it means to soften yourself. It's the word in Hebrew, A-N-O-S, anos, to soften yourself. 
How many of you know hard, br- hard butter is hard to spread on toast? Okay, that's the idea in the illustration here. In other words, soft butter will melt and you can spread it so much easier and it, and it completes the whole form of the toast and goes into every crevice, right? And it's so good. Can I hear an amen? So that's the idea to soften. So you access the complete form. You cover. Everybody's familiar with this verse. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Y'all know that verse? It's not so you can get everything you want. It's to soften yourself so God can give you the right things to want. Okay, it's to soften yourself. It's like butter on toast. When we harden ourselves and say, God, here's my list of needs, I want you to know something. God is not Santa Claus. We don't show up with a list and then say, God, you know, you're not a good God if you don't complete everything on my list. Okay, that's not the idea. When we read the word delight in Psalms, it's not us delighting, it's God delighting. God is softening himself so he can be smeared into every part of your life. Did you know that's what the anointing is? Do you know that's what the meaning of anointing is? It's to smear with oil. That's what God wants. But he doesn't do it for everybody. The verse says he, directs the, he doesn't direct the steps of everybody. Is that what scripture says? No, it says he directs the steps of who? Of who? So that tells me God doesn't direct steps for everyone. He only directs the steps of who? The godly. He is Lord of all if you make Him Lord of all, but it's when you yield to Him, it's when you soften yourself. And by the way, that's most of what I do here week in and week out, and especially as it relates to the pulpit. When I'm up here preaching, it's almost like I have a big rotary hammer or a jackhammer, and I am... Because I'm trying to get you soft so you can hear the word so the word spreads into every part of your life. I'm jackhammering away at hardness because the world and all the things that we encounter, it hardens us to the things of God. We're, we're out in this world, you know, hours compared to the time we're here and the time we spend in the word of God. And so what I'm trying to do is break some of that stuff, some of that hardness off of you to soften you so God can use you. Can I hear an amen? Most of you know my story. Many of you do. Many of you don't. But I never wanted to be a pastor. This was the last thing I wanted to do. Like, I did not want to do this. My parents were pastors, and I said, man, there is no way I'm doing that. I will never do that. I will never subject my family to that. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to be a horse trainer. Now, most of you know my story. I grew up in horses and grew up around that and the horse events and all of those things. And so I... I, I did all of that, and um, we were out in Texas a few weeks ago for a pastor's conference, and my staff got to watch me rope. And uh, not on a horse, I was roping a dummy, but they were like, man, Pastor Jay, he can do it. Well, that's all I used to do, okay? That's what I did, did and that's what I inspired to be. Well, when you're horse training, uh, there is a term, and it's called to soften. And the big idea is to get that 1,200, 1,500-pound animal to soften. And if you've ever if you've ever rode a good broke trained horse, it's like the difference between a Cadillac and a Pinto. I mean that the difference is amazing. And so when you've got a soft horse, you can watch them. 
You can watch a horse as you're training them. They'll be real resistant and they're hard, but you'll finally get through to a place where you break through. And when you break through, you can see their whole demeanor. They just start softening. And then they start, they call it coming in, coming up to you. You can feel them in your legs. And a good trained horse, you don't even have to do this up here with your hands. You're doing it right here with your legs. And that horse will just flow. You move your foot this way and he'll just flow like this. And they're soft. And you can take your finger and do the reins like this and that's, that horse will start turning. He knows, he feels the cues. That's the idea that God is wanting to get across to you. He's wanting to soften you. He don't want you resistant to the bit. He wants to soften you so you can encounter Him and He can give you everything He wants to give you. And that butter spreads all over. That anointing spreads all over because you're not resistant anymore. And that's the, that's the idea here because we get so resistant to what God wants to do. And God is trying to bring things into our life. Can I hear a big amen? amen? It's when you yield to him and say, Lord, you're in control, not me. I'm tired of being the general manager of the universe and I give that role to you. And just like that horse, you can see it when that horse says, I'm submitted to you. And whatever you want to do, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, and that's the idea here and that's what we want to do. Happy or soft, ever how we want to define delight, it is clear that God loves to be involved in every aspect of our life. So if you're in Acts 13, let's look at a couple places and then we're going to go to Acts 14. If you're there, say amen. Acts chapter 13, I'm reading from the NIV. I'm going to go ahead and read for the sake of time. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, this is verse 2 of Acts 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, everybody say worshiping and fasting. If I had a highlighter, I would highlight that. They were what? What, what were they doing? They were worshiping and they were fasting. And guess who spoke to them while they were worshiping and fasting? <laughs> Imagine that. So they were worshiping. They were fasting, and the Holy Spirit started speaking, and he said this, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed what on them? They placed their hands on them, and they sent them where? Off. Notice verse 4. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Celestia, and sailed for, from there to Cyprus. Verse 4, I want you to note, note verse 4. Being sent, they went. Now I'm going to talk more about this in a moment, but it is important how you leave. Let me say that again. It is important how you leave, and we'll unpack that in a moment. So we know Paul was godly. He was fasting. He was praying. Note this, he was totally submitted to the early church apostles, the leaders. He trusted the leadership God put in his life, and because of that, they sent him out to do the work of the ministry. My dad used to say it like this, some were sent, some just went. So it's important how you were sent. It's important how you leave. Now, turn over one page to Acts 14 and look at verse 14. Now, as a homework assignment, I would love for you to read the entire book of Acts, or chapter of, of Acts chapter 14, the whole chapter there. 
And I want us to look here at verse 14, but you read it when you get home. But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and they rushed into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things, living God godly who, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea, or God who made all of these things. And then I want us to go down to verse 19. I'm sorry I gave you the wrong one. Verse 19, I said 14. Then some Jews came from Antioch to Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. So Paul, the background is he's ministering and then they don't like it. And so now they're wanting to kill him. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and he went back into the city. So they've stoned him, and now he's going to go back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in the city, won a large number of disciples. They returned to Lystria, Iconium, and to Antioch. Verse 22, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain, remain true in faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. I want to take that passage, and I want to just say this. Order sometimes looks like disorder. Everybody say order. Sometimes looks like disorder. So if we're looking at Paul's life and we see he was stoned and all, I mean, he's just getting started. He's starting to go out and minister to people. And in his first encounter, trying to tell people about Jesus, he's stoned. Can you imagine that? Think about that. So Pastor Jay tells you, I want you to go out into the neighborhood. I want you to target Cook Street and First Street. And you want you to go out. I want you to tell as many people about Jesus. And then you go out to share with people. You're excited. You're pumped. I'm fixing to tell people about Jesus. And before you can get back to our campus, you got stoned. Not by drugs. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Think about that. This man was stoned. So order sometimes looks like disorder. If we read this and we keep reading, we will see where Paul encounters great opposition mixed with acceptance. Paul's life is marked with disorder, yet his steps are ordered. Let me say that again. Paul's life is marked with disorder, yet his steps are ordered. What is interesting is when Paul gave his report, he didn't say people loved me in one city and hated me in another. No, he connects the fruit of resistance of the revelation and the abundance together. Now, I want to ask you, who is doing the, these things to Paul? Who is resisting Paul? Is it God or is it people? It's people. So the enemy works through people. And anytime you're doing something for God and you're pushing back evil like we're doing here at One Community Church, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be people talk. And the resistance is not going to come from where you think it's going to come from. It's not going to come from some demon-possessed person. The resistance is going to come through normal people. Okay? The devil rarely disguises himself with, with uh, pointy ears and a, and, a, and a tail and a pitchfork. No, he disguises himself through people, right? And so these are Jewish people that he is fighting and, and getting resistance from. Now, let's keep, let's keep on. 
People make choices, but God orders our steps even in difficulty to promote his purpose. In other words, nothing can stop us. Now, I want to say something, and this may be the most important thing that I say all day, so I want you to write it down. Are y'all ready? The Holy Spirit is a comforter, but he does not comfort the comfortable. The Holy Spirit is a comforter, but he does not comfort the comfortable. If we're always comfortable, then we're no longer following Christ. We're asking him to follow us. God, I want you to sign off on my life plan. I want you to sign off on what I want to do. I don't want to be stoned. I want to be accepted. I want to be received by everybody, and I want everybody to like me. Good luck with that. That will never happen. How do I know? So here's something good. How do I know what God's plan is for my life? Are y'all ready for this? How do I know what God's plan is for my life? I hope you're ready because I'm fixing to tell you something I don't think you're going to like. How do I know what God's plan is for my life? Here it is. It's where I'm accepted and where I'm rejected. Did he just say rejected? God's plan is where I'm accepted and where I'm rejected. Everybody say accepted and rejected. And now everybody add this, all at the same time. (laughs) So when you're really doing something for God, you will be accepted and you'll be rejected all at the same time. When you're doing something for the Lord, people say, does it bother you when people talk about you? I'd say it would bother me more if they weren't talking about me. Because the fact that they're talking about me or they're talking about this church tells me we're doing something right. Come on. Amen. It's where I'm accepted and I'm rejected. That part that says, take up your cross and follow me, we cannot eliminate from Scripture. We cannot. Take up whose cross? Jesus' cross? No. Jesus has already bore his cross. It says, take up whose cross? Your cross and follow him. Your authority, this is good, your authority comes from your adversity. Your authority comes from your adversity. So if your goal is to live as a Christian or if your goal is to live as a Christian, is to have zero opposition, if that's your goal, then nothing is produced in you that produces the replication of the likeness of Christ. Our goal is to become godly. Godly is not a religious word. It means more like God. We are made in His image, but we're shaped in iniquity. The only way to combat that is through repentance and submission. To soften. That's what that means. What if Paul had not been rejected? Do you think that he would have moved from city to city? Because everywhere Paul's foot went, there was a church that was built because of the resistance that Paul faced. Think about this. What if Paul would have become comfortable in Corinth? 
What if he'd have had a nice home and a nice recliner and everything was good and rosy and everybody liked him? Do you think that he would have moved from city to city and planted all those churches? Absolutely not. It was the resistance that he encountered. And you saw that in Acts 14. They stoned him. He got up. He went right back into that city. And then he decided, you know what? We're going to move on. And he started going from city to city. And because of that, now we have the gospel of Jesus Christ because Paul was accepted and he was rejected. Paul was accepted and and, and God gave him tremendous favor. The New York of his day was called Rome. It was the center of the modern world of that day. And he, he found himself sitting at Caesar's table. Do you see the acceptance and the favor that Paul had? Yet you see the resistance that he had. God opened doors for him, but there was also places of of rejection. Directing your steps is one thing. Defining your life is another. If everything in life is your decision, how do you know if God is leading you? Think about that. If everything in your life is your decision, how do you know if God is leading your steps? In other words, if you will keep stepping and you will let God direct your path, he won't define, it won't define you even in opposition. Can I hear a big amen on that? So if I keep stepping, this won't define who I am. Only God defines who I am. How do I know if my steps are ordered? Here's how you know if your steps are ordered. Are you godly? Are you godly? Do we continue to lean in even when it's hard? Or do we run from the hills at the first time that we encounter opposition? Do we run for the hills every time we get offended and mad? Do we run? Do we leave? Do we hide? Do we reject people? When the Bible talks about a good man or a righteous man, what does that mean? Righteousness means this if you're taking notes. Righteousness means right standing. Right standing with God. Let me give you an illustration of this. When you leave one job to go to another job, oftentimes the new employer will call the previous employer and they will ask, is this person in right standing and is this a person I want to hire? And that's what they're doing. Did you know churches do this? Have y'all ever heard of moving your letter? The Baptist denomination does this. So if you leave one church and you go to another church to become a member, they will send a letter to the previous church. And that letter really is asking, is this member that used to be a previous member of your church, now they're wanting to become a member of our church, are they in right standing? In other words, did they leave well? Now, over the last two months, I've, wrote, I've written two recommendations. I've written a recommendation for someone in this church who moved to another church, and I wrote a recommendation for someone who was in this church that moved to, uh, and actually somebody that moved from the city was the first one, they moved to another place. And then I wrote one for someone who lived in this city that moved from this church to another church, and both of the recommendations I gave were very, very good. Because why? They left well. Then I've been encountered with situations where they didn't leave well. In other words, they were not in right standing. Righteousness is always moving because as a believer, when you're first saved, you may not be aware of everything you're doing wrong. So at first, 
righteousness to you when you're first saved and and God begins to deal with you and the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and there's conviction there, maybe the first thing that happens is he starts convicting you about the friends that you hang out with. Why? Because when you're with them, your spirit is at, at, at war with the spirit that's in them. In other words, there is conflict. The next thing the Holy Spirit may start ministering to you on is the music you listen to and the shows you watch and the platforms you go on on social media. So what that means is righteousness is always moving. That means God is always convicting you. He's leading you step by step because you're godly. You're pursuing him and he's directing your steps and he's pointing out things. Can I hear an amen? Why? Godliness or righteousness moves you closer to the image of God, or at least that's what's supposed to happen. Life in the Holy Spirit calls you up and out of things and says you're better than that. Am I godly? Am I in pursuit of what is godly, or am I ignoring the problems the Holy Spirit is pointing out? Because when you're godly and he's directing your steps, he will point out things and say, right there, right there. That is something right there that I want you to work on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Another question is, is your journey, is the journey you're on right now, is it your decision or is it God's design? In other words, is God involved in the details? If you're motivated by your own desires, you will question your identity every time you encounter adversity. Now I want to say something and I'm going to bring this in for a landing. Have you ever thought about this? You know, we always talk about the blessings of God. What about the blessings of the devil? Somehow we associate any good thing with God. So this is a good thing, so it must be a blessing. But did you know there is such a thing as the blessings of the devil? The Bible says sin is fun for a season. So that tells me at first it seems like a blessing because it's fun. Sin is fun. If you're doing it right, it's fun. Amen? So that tells me if sin is fun, then sin can seem like a blessing to you. So here's a, this is just a thought-provoking question. What if the houses, the cars, the vacations, the jet skis, the boats, the deer stands, the hunting trips. What if all of that is blessings of the enemy? What if all of that is blessings from the enemy to distract you? Just a question. Let me see. Here's the enemy. Here's what he's saying. Let me see how distracted I can get them. Some of the weapons formed against us are expertly designed just for you. The enemy don't care if you're blessed. You can be blessed and be blessed right out of your purpose. Can I hear an amen on that? You can be blessed right out of your purpose. So the enemy comes along, and notice the words I said. He expertly designs things just for you. He studies you. He studies what makes you tick. Uh, Peter said he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's watching you. He's observing you. And he's seeing what makes you tick so he can expertly design a trap just for you. Can I hear an amen? amen? Let me say this. Man's version of success and God's version of success are two different things. Man's version of success and failure is not God's version. 
What may look like failure to the world could be a launching pad for what God has called you to do. That's my story. That's the story that I have lived. God used my own failure to actually launch me forward. Some will accept you and others will reject you, but that is not your identity. Failure to the world may be part of the steps, but it doesn't define you. Man, I ought to hear some amens or something. I don't know. I'm preaching better than you're agreeing this morning. Come on. Paul's story began because he was sent, and each place he left was God's design for a higher purpose. I wonder how many places and relationships we get comfortable in and never leave to fulfill God's plan for our life. I wonder how many places we get comfortable in and we never leave to fulfill God's purpose. Write this down. Distracted with the comfortable. Distracted with the comfortable. Then you're defined by who accepts you. Then your focus is on who mistreated you, who did you wrong. Paul's story was one of God's faithfulness. If you stay comfortable, it goes from what can define your life to what defiles your life. Let me say that again. It goes from what can define your life to what defiles your life when you're comfortable. Pastor D, if you would come and play something softly. The Bible says we are defiled by not what goes in, but what comes out. So I want to ask you, soon to be afternoon, let me ask you this question. What story are you telling right now? What story are you telling right now? Because God is listening, and he's listening to what you say about where you are. Write this down. Please don't poison your own promotion. Please don't poison your own promotion. When we complain, we miss the plot. We miss the big picture. And listen to me. Here's what complaining does. Complaining triggers, when you complain, it triggers the old habits, the old addictions, the coping mechanisms we used to run to before we were born again. When you complain, it will drive you back to those coping mechanisms. The least like God you are is when you're a victim. The least like God you are is when you're a victim. Why? Because God cannot be a victim. God cannot be a victim. So to be godly, that is in complete opposition of a victim mentality. And if we're not godly, then God won't order our steps. Bitter and sweet don't come from the same vessel. When we do something eternal... There is a cross to bear. Would you stand to your feet? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. We're fixing to do business with the Lord. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.